0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast, sponsored by Simply Healthcare. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley. There's nothing going on with the Miami Dolphins this week.
1: It is two a time, my friend. This is the moment we've been waiting for uh, for a year and a half. What are you talking about? There's plenty going on this week.
0: Yes, uh, I understated it, I guess, a little bit, and I certainly did uh, did alley oop you. Thank you, thank <laughs> you, uh, James Worthy. I was just, you know,
1: wow, out that, there for you.
0: That is a great reference, James Worthy, straight out of the '80s. Yeah, you know who, what that would make me right? Uh, seasoned. No, Magic Johnson.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here's a question.
1: Uh, I- Sure, podcast listeners skew younger it's just a younger format i wonder what percentage was alive during the james worthy era
0: oh oh man i you know (laughs) again again it's like when people say stuff like that to me it's like you know i never watched bill russell play live (laughs) but i was aware that bill russell existed I never listened to the Beatles when they were big, but I know that the Beatles existed. And so, the the younger generation now that that might say to us, "Well, who's who's Magic Johnson?" I'm I'm like, walk away, man. I don't need to speak if you. Walk away. Walk away. He's he, he, he's the guy that owns the Dodgers, right? Yeah, <laughs> to them. Yeah, and a lot of theaters and has been a coach for uh, a couple of times. I mean, come on. Uh, anyway, look. Well, well, what one person that
1: was not alive during James Rudy era was. Oh, a transition. To a Tonga Bailoa. Yeah, transition. And, and a 1 o'clock, or is it 4 o'clock? We should get this straight on Sunday. What time's the game? Uh,
0: I believe it is a 1 o'clock start. Let's see. Google will tell us the answer. I'm going to
1: show up at 1 o'clock either way. So. It, it, it says 1 p.m. on the Google.com machine, so 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, is this the most anticipated debut, certainly since the, I've been on the beat? I've been on the beat for nine years. I can't think of a moment like this. When's, when's the the most comparable moment to this in your, in your uh, 25 years covering the team?
0: 2017, when Brock Osweiler <laughs> <laughs> got his first uh, start after Ryan Tannehill was hurt? No? No? Uh,
1: well, it's probably a close second to Tua. I mean, I understand the conversation being a ballpark, but I, I still think Tua is number one.
0: Yeah, fair. So what do you expect to see? And more importantly, what do the Dolphins expect to see?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> uh, of course, you have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt because it's to build up the confidence of the young man. But listening to Chan Gailey yesterday, he thinks he's going to be excellent. He thinks he's going to be really, really good. And he thinks he's going to go out there and, 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 and complete a lot of passes and lead the team down the field to a bunch of points. And I love the enthusiasm. I love the confidence. Uh, I'm a little skeptical. Now, I, I think we, you know, we as a media – the dreaded media, So take a narrative and take it too far. And I think over the last week, week and a half, we took it a bit too far. And I'm, you know, I'm as guilty as anyone that thinking there's going to be this huge drop off in week one from Fitzpatrick to Tua. I think there will be a slight drop off in certain things that, that Fitz has done does as well as anybody in the league. But I, I think Tua is going to go out there and quit himself. Well, I don't think he's going to look unprepared. I don't think he's going to look like the game is too fast and too big for him. Will he make all of his throws? No. I mean, no quarterback does, and certainly no rookie quarterback does. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be okay.
0: So let's, let's give the, the folks a little bit of a template for what should happen, right? Because the Miami Dolphins picked Tua Tungabailoa not to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. They picked him to be Dan Marino. They picked Franchise quarterback. They picked him to be the guy that they build the team around and the face of the franchise for the next decade. So he better be better than Joe Burrow. He better be better than. Let me back. Wow. Backtrack. He better be as good as Joe Burrow. Better than Justin Herbert. That's that's the template that they have to work within, in my estimation. He was picked after Joe Burrow, so you don't have to be as good as Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow, you know, was picked number one for a reason. But you picked him ahead of Justin Herbert, and that means you think he's better than Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert is lighting it up right now. So eventually, within the span of two or three weeks, Tua Tagovailoa needs to be lighting it up.
1: Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I, I'm, I am surprised, shocked. I don't know what word you want to use, but it is a revelation how well Justin Herbert's been playing. Uh, the Chargers aren't a very good football team, but he's proven that he's a pretty good football player. And if you, uh, and, I, and I think the same thing holds true for the Dolphins, I would love for them to get hot and make a playoff run because it would make us more money and it'd be uh, really good for the exposure of the Dolphins in depth podcast. But I think the more important thing for the Dolphins is to have a definitive answer on Tua as their quarterback over the next 10 games. And I think that the Chargers already have a pretty good feel about Justin Herbert. And in that regard, you're right. Tua's got some catching
0: up to do. So, name me a player on the Los Angeles Chargers offensive line. Uh, Mike Townsend? Except he's not playing. But what, <laughs> but that was good. No, that was good. Uh The point that I'm making is I think that Tua Tonga vailoa while the Dolphins' offensive line is not amazing and it is not lined with stars, I think that their offensive line is better than what the Los Angeles Chargers' offensive line is. And so I'm thinking that already he has an advantage that Justin Herbert does not.
1: Here are um, the name here are the names from left to right on the Chargers offensive line. Sam Tevy, Forrest <laughs> Lamp. Forrest Lamp was a high draft pick. Yeah. Um Dan Feeney, he's their center. I don't know who that is. Uh Trey Turner is obviously a name, and Brian Belaga is a, yeah. is, a is, is a real name. So they probably have two and a half, three good players on that offensive line.
0: Okay. So the bottom line, the bottom line here is he has to be better. Than Justin Herbert. Otherwise, people are going to be eventually looking at Chris Greer sideways, going, "Why didn't you pick Justin Herbert if Justin Herbert is better?"
1: That's that's going to be. They, they, you're absolutely right. By the way, that this this the, the, the judgment of this choice will decide the fates of a lot of people's careers. And you know, I don't want to be too dramatic because we don't want to put too much on this kid's shoulder, uh, in in, in his first start, but. Look, Chris Greer's fate is tied to Tua tonga Brian Flores' fate is tied to Tua tonga Brandon Shore's fate could probably be tied to Tua tonga And all the assistants and all the people that work under them, their fates could be tied to Tua tonga And that even includes on the defensive side of the football, because if, if flow's out of here, all of his assistants, or most of his assistants will be gone too. So, yeah, they're, 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 I don't think you can understate the significance of, of how he performs and what that means for the direction of this franchise.
0: It means everything, right? Yeah. Everything. It's all – if if he is good, everyone is good. If he is not good, it all comes tumbling down. Here's my – you want to know my biggest concern about what we're about to see, Adam? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you were on the edge of your – I'm can't wait. wondering what my biggest concern is. My biggest concern is that he will not be amazing and he will not be bad. Mm -hmm. That he will be okay. That he will be solid. That he will be acceptable. And I'm not just talking about the one game or even this season. I'm talking about when he becomes fully formed and that should take, what, a year, a year and a half, that when he gets to that point, he's okay, he's acceptable. And the reason that I think that's terrible is because then we will be locked into the Ryan Tannehill years all over again. And we will be watching the team, believing in the guy, if we just get him surrounded by more talent, if if, if he just grows a little bit more, it's going to be good. It's going to be all right. If this happens, it's going to be great. And next we look up and seven years have passed. That's my concern. Right. That we are in for the the wasting of time hoping for something that never happens.
1: Uh, a couple of things, and, and yes, it's you don't want him to be uh, Andy Dalton. I think that's I think that's the real one. I mean, it, it, Andy Dalton has was, has been the same quarterback he was. Well, certainly not this year because I think he's progressed big time. But for the first decade of his career, he was the same guy the entire time and didn't make any real leaps. The Tannehill situation is interesting because he has made a real leap, but he had to get out of Miami to do it. Um, so I, I think that's a, as much a reflection on coaching and personnel as it is on the player himself. Yes, I, and, and, and who was it that said, It was it Parcells that said organizations make quarterbacks? Um, that That's, that's a 1,000% true. Uh, a guy can have uh, very little success in one place because it's a toxic situation and goes somewhere else where he's got strong leadership and strong personnel and a great locker room. Uh, and go out and be a baller, and 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 Tannehill's done that. I mean, he's I mean, he's going to get MVP votes, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's going to get MVP votes if he continues to play the way um, the way he is. So, I, I, and 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 this is actually it was, it was a good segue to the next question I was going to ask. Do you believe the structure is in place here in Miami to prevent Tua becoming another Tannehill in Miami? And to put a finer point on it, do you think Chan Gailey is the guy to get the most out of Tua?
0: Yeah, that's a a great question because there's stuff at play there, right? Uh, Mostly having to do with the calendar. Chan Gailey is 68 years old. Mm -hmm. And and so I don't know what Chan Gailey's vision is for the next 10 years. But if his vision is not to be the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, um, then I don't know that he's the right guy because one of the things that successful and great quarterbacks have in common is that they're typically in the same system year after year after year after year. And by year you know three or four or five, oh my gosh, they know this thing backwards and forwards. It's instinct to them. And now they're playing on that instinct and that's when their natural gifts just take over. But you know, yeah, yeah. when you have a player who has to learn a new system in year one, because it's a new system, and then in year two, another system, and then in year three or four, another system. That retards their growth.
1: I think you saw Josh Rosen, who went through a different system basically every year since his freshman year of college, and now he's three years out of college. So where is he? He's on the practice squad Of the Buccaneers. Uh, Mondo, we've got to take a quick break, but on the other side, I'm going to give you a factoid that uh, is going to make your hair blow back. Okay, so after that crappy tease, here is that factoid for you, Armando. Uh, Chan Gailey is in his 16th NFL season as either a head coach or an offensive coordinator. He has coached some of the icons of the last 25, 30 years. He has coached John Elway. He has coached Troy Aikman. He had a good run with Jay Fiedler here, although he's obviously not an icon. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Cordell Stewart. He turned Cordell Stewart into slash. Of all those quarterbacks and all those years and all that game planning and practices, he has never done what he's about to do, which is prepare a quarterback for his a rookie quarterback for his first NFL start. Every single quarterback he's had and he's played and, and has started in that time has had at least one or two years of experience, and some of those guys ten fifteen years of experience uh this this is something that we've never seen at a chan before and and I think it's pretty fascinating to see if he's
0: up to the moment. What do you mean? Make my hair grow back oh, what do you bl- mean blow back, not grow back oh. blow oh okay oh okay all right that <laughs> Hey, I've got hey, the little I've got
1: the little fryer tuck going on up top too, so it's, uh, it's love, it,
0: fa- love it. Father Time is undefeated. Love it. So yeah, and and what does that tell you that as a developer of quarterbacks, he's not been the guy yet. He hasn't done it, it through all his experiences, through all that everything that he has accomplished in the NFL, including be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys be on a Pittsburgh Steelers team that that was very good in the 90s, Uh, almost get the head coaching job of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's right. That happened. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's never developed a quarterback, which is stunning to me. And which really merits questioning Brian Flores because, Brian, you hired him at the end of last season knowing that you were about to embark on, what? Drafting a quarterback, number one. You knew that's what was going to happen, and yet you hired someone who has never developed a, a rookie quarterback. What was your thinking there?
1: It, it, it's a great question. And and honestly, uh, what, what Chan does with Tua – could be the capper of a pretty remarkable career. I mean, the, the longevity he's had in the NFL is, is remarkable, and it shows that he knows what he's doing. Or it could end up being, hey, maybe I should have just sat this one out, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe I should have stayed and played with my grandkids and, 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 and stayed on the golf course or whatever it was he was doing um, in retirement. But it's, it's very rare that there's this level of judgment and scrutiny on a guy who's 68,
0: 69 years old. So, uh, moving off of the tour, you know what is the most remarkable thing that I've seen this week and the most stunning thing I've seen this week? Tell me. So, we're taping this on a Wednesday morning, and we just got done talking to Brian Flores, really, for the first time this week since preparations began for the Los Angeles Rams game, and on um, the morning after the three local newspapers reported that there was issues there was uh, rumors there's a whirlwind of talk there are sources that Xavier Howard is been talks and not one reporter <laughs> asked Brian Flores about that today not one
1: what do, you, what do you think that is, Armando? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, well, I can only speak for myself, okay? So, you know, I don't ask the coach a lot of questions because, frankly, I don't want what I, knowing what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like to do that. I've never done that. Um, and definitely in the Zoom culture, the Zoom years, you know, you don't get the – the asides, you don't get the, the sidebars with the coach. So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Now, what other folks are doing, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I think the
1: Dolphins said what they wanted to say on that matter uh, yesterday around three thirty four o'clock. Which was what? Uh which was one of the most strongly worded denials and takedowns of a media source that I've ever seen by an organization. Uh and with the uh final line, we are not we we are not uh, discussing trading Xavier and Howard. And I'll have to look up the exact quote because I feel like I mangled it a bit like that. But the but the the, the, the gist of it is Xavier ain't going anywhere.
0: So about that I thought it should have been, you know, look, uh the newspapers cover the Dolphins, and they say, I suppose, when things are going well, they give the Dolphins a a boy, and when things are going poorly, they say, bad Dolphins, bad Flipper. So <laughs> I have no problem with the Dolphins when the newspaper gets it wrong, saying, bad newspaper, bad newspaper. But I thought that, that the, the, the takedown part was a little – Inartful. It was, you know, it was inelegant.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're kind of dancing around the issue. Uh, the Sentinel wrote a story that I think they got ahead of their skis on the Xavier and Howard situation. Now, let's be clear uh, their teams have called about Xavier and Howard. The Dolphins are just insisting that they're not training him and they haven't been responsive to those calls. Uh, but the Sentinel went a little farther than that and I think they, they got a, a couple of the key facts wrong. But that happens in journalism. What the, what, the, what the Dolphins had a right and a, a and a responsibility to point out was uh, call us and let give us a heads up and let us, you know, have a statement if we want, respond if we want, massage the story if we can, uh, but at the very least do us the courtesy of calling. And, and I'm sure if you'd asked the Sentinel, they would admit, yeah, yeah, we, we screwed that up, we should have called. Um, but that doesn't change the fact, Armando, that – Something is there, there, something's buzzing with Xavier Howard, and I don't think the Dolphins have any interest in trading him. But I wouldn't at all be surprised if he's playing his last season as a Miami Dolphin.
0: There it is. There it is. That is absolutely one thousand percent correct. You are the star of the show. Woo-hoo! You, you you prove once again why you are.
1: Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry got yeah, caught up in the moment. No, you're
0: absolutely right. You run up those stairs, Rocky B. You run up those stairs and turn your back to the library and go, Yeah, that's <laughs> me. Because look, there was there was something coming down the pike with Xavier and Howard in year three of his contract, regardless. And it wasn't gonna be because the team wanted to, you know, revisit that thing or look at how smart it was or not. It was because Xavier and Howard wanted to do that. And now there are other factors that may or may not be at play. So, yeah, absolutely. Xavier and Howard on the 2021 Miami Dolphins, that's TBA. Absolutely TBA.
1: Yeah, and and I think they're, they're going to give strong consideration to what kind of value they'd be able to get in return. But that's a conversation for – January, February, March of next year. Right now, as Brian Flores reminds us, it's all about beating the Rams and on a you know, macro scale, all about getting this team to nine or ten wins and getting them in the playoffs and, 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 and doing something with this season. And if they would trade Xavier Howard now, that's off the table. I mean, they're because <laughs> what are they, three and three now? They need, they need to win. They need to go six and four at least over the last ten games. Um, I don't see how they win six games with knowing Benogany as a starting cornerback. He's just not ready. We saw it. When Byron Jones got hurt, so if yes, if you would trade Xavier Howard now, uh, especially the week after uh, you, you benched your quarterback that won you three of the last four games, it
0: raises how serious you are about winning this year. Absolutely, and uh, the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is amid all of this stuff, amid the is Tua going to be good or not? Is Xavier going to be good or not? Are the Dolphins going to make a trade? the November third trade deadline or not. This is a pretty big game coming up, mm-hmm. Adam. I mean mm-hmm. this is this is a this I I would argue to you, this is the biggest game so far in the Brian Flores tenure. Yes or no?
1: Wow, that
0: is bold.
1: Uh sure. Yeah, yeah, because they've never been in this position before. Uh, they're the eighth seed right now in the AFC. They're playing a really good team in the Rams. The game's at home. Uh, it looks like Vegas has is a three-point game or so. I haven't looked in the last couple of days, but it's, you know, it's a winnable game for the Dolphins. And it would say so much about this franchise if they go out there with a rookie quarterback making his first start and beat the team who two years ago, uh, you know, was, was, was a touchdown or so away from winning the Super Bowl. By the way, a team that Brian Flora shut down, I'm surprised we haven't got any questions about that yet. A team that Brian Flores shut down last uh, two years ago in the Super Bowl, uh, and, and maybe he's got the secret sauce to how to do it again.
0: Uh, let's hope. Let's absolutely hope. And let's uh, let's leave it there because I know that you have many important things to go do that don't include. Armando Salguero. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's uh, let's go from here on out. Well, I got, um, I got one more question before we oh, before we okay. go. Right. Uh, what is your prediction for Sunday? Pain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow, we've been rocky heavy today. We really <laughs> have. <laughs> Look, um, I don't know, man. Uh, you you mentioned that. Flores has the secret sauce. The problem is he doesn't have necessarily the secret team that that authored that victory over the Rams. So we'll see. And, you know, I don't know. I I, I don't like saying that the Dolphins definitely won't win, so I'm not going to say that. They absolutely have a chance. I'm not a big believer in Jared Goff. I think he's very up and down. And they do travel across the country, although their record traveling across the country is the best in the NFL. You know, it's awesome. I,
1: I, getting back to my earlier point, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. But what it would say about this franchise to go out there and, and, and win and win because of their offense and play really well against the Rams, uh, You would. I know there's some degree of excitement for 2016, uh, I'm sorry, two, yeah, 2016 when Gates got the, you know, the team hot and they made the playoffs, it would be nothing like Tua going out there on Sunday, balling out, beating a playoff team in the Rams, and and, and away you go for the rest of the season. It's, it, this, is a, this is a time to get excited. This is a time for fun. This is a time that Dolphins fans should be really pumped up for.
0: So is that what you're predicting? You're predicting a big victory? Put it on the board. Dolphins win on Sunday. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Beasley predicts a Dolphins <laughs> victory against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. I'm predicting a victory for pain. And so therefore, we will see who is right, who is wrong on the next edition of Dolphins in Depth podcast.